Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. So let's begin with a little prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this evening. We thank you for this Advent season, Lord, this opportunity that you give us annually to, to slow down and to be still and to reexamine our, our lives, particularly our spiritual lives, our relationship with you and with others. We thank you for the gift of our salvation, the gift of our freedom, the gift of the incarnation of the God-man, your son, Jesus. And dear Blessed Mother, we ask for your intercession, and we thank you for your fiat. We thank you for your perpetual fiat, for your yes, and for teaching us what is most important in this life is giving that daily fiat so that the word might become flesh within each member of the mystical body of Christ. So pray for us, Mother, and pray that we be open, that we be childlike, that Jesus might be conceived within our own hearts, that he might be born again within each of us and within the entire church. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So I'm going to read a passage from the book of Revelation. Satan's greatest fear is the incarnation. Satan's greatest fear is the incarnation. And what is the incarnation? It's the word becoming flesh, the God-man. He fears him with his whole being. And he wants to do everything he can to destroy anywhere he sees the incarnation taking place within our own hearts. He's going to go after it. You remember the story of Herod? And he heard about this, the birth of the Christ child. You see how he represents Satan. You see how desperate Satan is? He's willing to wipe out countless children just to get to that Christ child. And that's what this passage is about. Now, I'm not, not going to read the whole thing in context. It's too long. But the piece that I'm going to read, the piece that follows this is about the war that breaks out in heaven between Michael, St. Michael, and Satan. And something we have to realize, it took me years to realize this, that this is not just something that happened historically. Yes, it did. It's something that happens all the time. It's a reality that we live in. Anytime the Christ child is born within us, there's war breaking out in heaven. There's war breaking out in here. There's parts of me and parts of you that rebel against that. As Father Michael was saying, because of our fallen nature, there's a part of us that doesn't want to be little. We don't want to be the child. And we'll get into that as we go through the mission. Some of the reasons why we reject that child. So I just invite you to listen, to close your eyes and listen to God's word. A great sign appeared in the sky. A woman, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them down to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth to devour her child when she gave birth. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and was was caught up to God in his throne. The woman herself fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by God that there she might be taken up care of for 1260 days. So you see right there the threat that the Christ child is. The threat that, that this woman is. We all know who this woman is, right? It's Our Lady the woman and her child is a threat to Satan because they are icons of the living God. They speak of God's very nature. They speak of God's littleness 
God's playfulness. Did you see the playfulness between the father and the child? See, God's playful. And I think sometimes we have this image of God the father is you know, kind of a grumpy old man waiting for me to mess up, keeping track. And I love that video because it, it, every time I see it, it brings me to tears. It touches a part of me. How many of you were touched by that video? Not that you have to be, but there's something within us that gets stirred when we see that. How many of you were moved to tears when you saw that? Now, there's something within us. There's the child within each of us that's touched by that. We long for that, that playful interaction with our father. And some of us, maybe we didn't have that with our fathers. And so that's kind of hard to put our brain around because maybe that wasn't our experience in life. But that's the reality of the relationship we have with Abba. Abba means daddy with our daddy in heaven. He's that way with us. He's playful. He's playful and he loves us. So a lot of what I'm going to share tonight and through the mission is from my own experiences of inner healing with this little kid within me. Growing up in a very large family, nine brothers and sisters, and very conservative, <laughs> not mocking it, very conservative, Roman, German, Catholic family. Got any Germans here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we show no emotion, no. You know, anyway. So when my parents got involved in the charismatic renewal back in the late uh, 60s, early 70s, you know, to see them go through that, I was like, I had to kind of slap myself. It's like, these are my parents? <laughs> and I saw that, they didn't do that part, but <laughs> that was more of my mom. But dad was, dad was still a, dad always says, I'm not one of those hand raisers. I said, that's fine, dad. You don't have to raise your hand. Just open your heart at least, okay? He just, anyway. I saw what God did to them and how childlike they began, how they became. And there was a part of me, I was in high school at the time in college, and I was drawn to that. I didn't know why, but I was drawn to that freedom they had. There was a freedom in them, particularly my mother, and a joy that I'd never seen. And I remember my mom having a prayer group at our house with her girlfriends and I was, actually, I take that back. It was before high school. I was probably 10 or 11. I remember eavesdropping on their little meeting. And I'd hear them talking, Jesus this and Jesus that. And, and I remember thinking as a kid, God was planting seeds right there. And I remember thinking, man, they're talking about Jesus like he's real. I mean, Jesus was like some guy that lived a long time ago and his dad was with long white hair and a beard because in our German Catholic church, that's what the painting was up there, this old man with the globe in his hand and his son sitting below. That's how I picture God, kind of somebody lived a long time ago, a nice guy who did a lot of nice things. But I'm hearing these ladies talk about him as if he's real because he was real to them. He wasn't real to me. I wanted what they had, but I was at the same time, I have to admit, I was afraid of it. I was afraid of that childlike freedom. And then they started taking to me these big conferences, charismatic conferences. I'd see like thousands of Catholics doing this, what you just did a while ago. And I'd be in the back going like this. I'm not doing that. No way. And then I started going to some young adult prayer groups and they were doing the same thing. And I thought, well, these these guys are pretty cool. I know them. Maybe I could do this for a little bit. So I kind of started here. Kinda <laughs> each year, I got kind of a little higher. A little higher. A little higher. <laughs> he was setting me free. And he was setting me free by the choice I was making. That freedom comes by way of me choosing. I have to choose that. I have to be willing to put myself out there and be vulnerable. Children are very vulnerable. That little baby you just saw is very vulnerable, right? We have to choose to be who we are, vulnerable. And that can be scary for us sometimes. They be vulnerable. Because if you look up the word vulnerable, it means to wound. A lot of us, or I shouldn't say a lot of us, all of us 
have been wounded. We live in a fallen world. We live with imperfect families, imperfect parents, dysfunctional families to some degree. We've all been wounded to some degree. And so to be vulnerable kind of brings back memories. Like, ugh, I don't know if I want to be this childlike person. It brings back some painful memories for me of ridicule and mockery, hearing voices in my family saying, shut up or whatever, anything to shut that child down. And I slowly started buying into that, and I did, I shut it down. But once I got involved, when my parents got involved in the renewal, God was using that to show me what I've been missing. I didn't realize it then, but now looking back, I realize my heart was craving that type of freedom. They were so childlike. And then on top of that, at these conferences, there would be this stage, and then they had mass, and they had probably 60 or 70 priests up there. You know what they were doing during mass? <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, those are priests, and they're happy priests. Look at them. <laughs> Most of the priests I had were kind of go to confession, scared to death. How many of y'all scared to death to go to confession? It's like, yeah. you still go to confession, and your body's like this. <laughs> And I always have to tell people, slow down. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Bless me, Father. Slow down. Breathe, breathe. I'm not going to hurt you. But see, that's, that's kind of their experiences. Maybe, maybe they didn't always experience a loving father. And that's not a judgment on those priests. Maybe they didn't have loving fathers. I don't know. But I began to see that in these people and my parents, and I wanted that, and I slowly began to open myself up to that. And as I did, it started opening up a lot of painful memories that needed healing in me. And that's kind of what we're hoping through this mission, that as we talk and as we uh, do these reflections and meditations, that maybe some memories will come up for you that the Lord wants to heal, that will enable you to free you up in order to be the child that you are. Because that's who you are. Father Michael was saying that that's who you are. You know, how many times did Jesus address the 12 knuckleheads that were with him? He called them little children. These are grown men. How would that go over, you guys here, if I had 12 grown men around me and I called you little children? How, how, what would stir in your heart if I said that to you? A put down. I'm no punky kid. Don't call me a little child. How many, of how many of the men would feel that way? What if I called you little children? How many of the men here would not be like that? Would you like it? Be honest. Now, if you're in touch with who you are, the reason we don't like it, what, what, do, you, what do you think in you doesn't like it? It's called, it starts with a P. Pride. Pride doesn't like to be told, doesn't like to be reminded that it's little because it wants to be big and in control, which is a lie. So Advent is all about waking up. Wake up. <laughs> I always like to do that, sorry. <laughs> Wake up. That's for the people in the back kind of going. Wake up. Every Advent... We start with readings of a wake-up call. The prophets of the Old Testament, their row was to be God's alarm clocks. Their row was to be the voice of God to Israel when Israel was drifting away from God and from the covenant. Their row was to be God's alarm clock and say, wake up and get right with God and get right with yourselves. That was their row. And you know, most of them, you know what happened to most of the prophets? Don't want to hear it. Who are you not going to tell me what to do? Who are these bishops to tell me what to do? Who's talking again now? Mr. P-Man himself. Who are these bishops telling, mind their own business. Stay out of my bedroom. Ooh. Is that the little child talking? Far from it. But you see how far we've drifted as a church. So Advent is a wake-up call. 
It's a reminder to us that time in comparison to eternity is very, very, very short. We think we got all the time in the world and that's a lie from the devil. Those of you who are a lot older than me, would you agree with me that time's not very long here, is it? Can you believe you are where you are? Does it seem like it just kind of flew by? You don't have to agree with me about what, I mean, I'm only 56, but it seems like looking back, I can't believe, wow, it just seems like it's moving fast. And then the older you get, it seems like it moves faster. And so this wake up call, God is, our Father is doing it out of love for us. He's saying, wake up. You've drifted away from your identity in Christ. You have forgotten who you are. And you've gotten caught up in the glitter of this world, in the empty promises of this world. It's so hard for us to be in this world, but not to be of it, isn't it? Would you agree with that? It's so hard to be in this world, but not be of it. And unfortunately, a lot of us are, have become, we've become of this world, of the flesh. It's, it's so easy to get caught up in that. And we all have to fight against that. So it's a wake-up call. But really, Advent is a reminder of what every day of our life should be. Not just Advent. I always like when Lent's done. People are done with Lent. Done. Go back to my self-indulgences, you know. It's like, no. No, you're missing the whole point. The whole point is to stay living that way the rest of your life. And Advent is a penitential season, too. Is to help me to stop and relook at my life and ask myself, where have I drifted from who I am? The spiritual life is all about awareness, waking up and coming to see that I've drifted in certain areas of my life. Jesus says, I came that you might have life. That's why he came. He also says in Luke's gospel, the stories of kids, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what has been lost. Look at all that we've lost because of sin. And I think of that child. Think of that child again, of all that we've lost. So many people have lost their joy Maybe some of you tonight, you've lost your joy. So many people have lost their peace, their hope. So many people have lost their freedom. How many of you would like to have the freedom of that baby? How many of you would like to be so free that it's okay to spill milk now? You're not going to go, you're not going to get swatted. But see, what we've learned as children is I can't mess up. I can't show any emotion especially anger. I'll give you something to get angry about. Whack! <laughs> now, they don't do that anymore, do they? You still got this little guy right here. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> and I deserve every one of them, too. <laughs> but you see, we've learned. We've come to believe that I can't be that child because it's going to bring too much pain. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And he brings us into this life by bringing us into truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He wants to bring us into truth. And the more he brings us into truth, he brings us into freedom. Remember, Scripture says, the truth will set you free. That's why the sacrament of confession is so powerful. That's why it's considered one of the healing sacraments. Because when you tell the truth, as hard as that can be sometimes, you're free. That's what I love about little children. Little ones. <laughs> don't they just kind of tell you like it is? Sometimes to your own embarrassment, you're like, shh, don't say that. Be nice, Johnny. Shh, don't say that. But they just tell you what's in here. They tell you the truth. They're not afraid of it. The truth will set you free. And this is what God wants to do. The Father wants to bring us into truth. Because you and I, over the years, have bought into a lot of lies. 
about ourselves, about God, and about others, but mostly about ourselves, lies. The truth will set you free. And as he brings us into this truth, which is awareness, suddenly our eyes are open. And suddenly we begin to see what we've been missing out on. And suddenly we see why we have so much pain. Father Michael mentioned that tonight. And I've come to realize that within my own journey of healing over the years is there's so much in here that I didn't know was in here. So much pain. Have you, any of y'all noticed that in your own life? You, you carry it. People, I'm amazed in giving spiritual direction how much pain people carry. People are carrying a lot of pain and you don't have to carry that pain. See, that's another lie. You got to carry that. You're on your own now. No, you're not. That's a lie. Advent, we celebrate the birth of Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel mean? God is with us. God's with me. It doesn't always feel that way, but in faith, I know he's with me. He's with me in those painful times. And that's what sets me free, knowing that I'm not on my own. I'm just a little kid. I can't do all this. That's very freeing. I say that every day before I jump into the parish. <laughs> this parish is huge, Lord. That's too much for one person. And you know what the father says back to me? He's just a little bitty guy. It's my church. You don't have to worry about it. And then he comes, and I come back with, I call them the yeah buts. Yeah, but, what if, what if, but, it, 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 my church, not yours. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> that sets me free. It feels very irresponsible because I'm used to being a worry wart and trying to control everything. But once I know who I am, I'm that little kid. Can you expect that? You, can you imagine that father in that video? Telling that little baby, get up, come on, you can walk, come on, walk. You got to crawl first. See, the Father wants us to know it's okay. That's his message to you tonight. It's okay to be little. It's okay to be you. It's okay to spill some milk and break a dish accidentally. You see where I'm going with this? Because we're so afraid of making a mistake. We try so hard to please our Father. Because that's what we learn with our earthly fathers. My goodness, I remember cutting the grass. That was before the weed eaters, those little hand clippers. And I remember, because my dad was a, you know, did German blood, so they, everything had to be whoosh. So I remember cutting every little blade, getting down there, you know, just click, 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 click. Ooh, there's one I missed. Oh, well. As if he's going to go down there with the magnifying glass. And, but I was, what, I was trying to please him. I wanted him to recognize me. He's 10 kids. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get it. Not because he didn't want to give it. He couldn't. Because he's not God. I was wanting him to be my God. God's the only one that can give attention to everyone. And so it really wasn't fair what I did to him. But there is a father that I have and you have that does recognize every little blade of grass. <laughs> Remember that scripture? He knows every head. He counts every hair. He knows every hair on your head. You don't have to prove anything to him. Did you know that? How many of you knew that? Raise your hand. Some of you. Look, most people aren't raising their hand. You, have, you don't have to prove anything to him. You don't have to please him. Now, I'm not saying we don't strive to please him. We want to please him because that's what you do when you're, you're in love with your father, your mother. You want to please him. But I already know I'm loved by him. That's why I do please him because I know I'm loved. I know I'm, I'm not doing things to get their attention. I, already, I know I have it already because I'm his beloved son and you're his beloved sons and daughters. And that's where the healing takes place when you know you don't have to perform anymore. 
I remember in seminary, I didn't understand it back then, but now I do. The spiritual director at the seminary, he told all the seminarians at one of our daily prayer days, he said, do not come to this chapel and perform. We do not need performers as priests. And I thought, what is he talking about? What he meant was we perform. We put on this act before God. Just be yourself. If I'm angry, I tell him. If I'm scared, I tell him. If I'm lonely, I tell him. Share with him what you're feeling. That little child has a lot to say. And that's what I came to realize too over the years. This little child in here, how much I shut him down. And I shut him down because I got hurt a lot being a child, we all have. But I've learned over time just to shut that part of me down. But that's where all my pain was because I was rejecting the very essence of my identity. And I played right into Satan's hand. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to shut that child down because that child is a threat to him. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Because you, were, you and I were created in the image and likeness of God. That child is a perfect image of God the Father. When Satan looks at the child that you are, he sees one person he can't stand, and that's God. He sees God in you, and that's why he wants to destroy you. That's why he tempts you and wants to bring you into sin, because his ultimate goal is to destroy you. And see, once we can learn from the Father and learn from His Son how to be a child again. That's my prayer every day. Lord, this is a whole new life for me. I don't, this is new stuff for me. You're going to have to teach me how to be this kid. This is, it's hard to be that kid because I want to control things. I want to call the shots. That little kid in that video, can he do much? <laughs> Who dressed him? His daddy or mommy, right? Do you see how happy he is though? You know, I have a care in the world. Wouldn't that be like, wouldn't that be nice? Who would like to just live life with no care in the world anymore? Raise your hand. Yeah, to be, wouldn't you like to be carefree again? Just slobber all over yourself? <laughs> I was going to say some other things that are crude, but that's the family I grew up in. Yeah, well, there's a part of us, we want that, that carefreeness, that freedom. But you see, we could know that in a very real way when we learn to be the child. You remember what Jesus says to Peter after the resurrection? Peter, when you were younger, you used to go and dress yourself and do as you pleased. But when you grow older, someone will tie your hands, dress you, tie your hands, and lead you where you do not want to go. Well, we all know what happened to Peter. He was a martyr, wasn't he? Like, like all the others except for John. He was led. Children are led. They're carried. They're taken care of. See, if we could just see that the Father's trying to do us a favor, <laughs> He's trying to take the load off if you just let Him. And it's hard because this is how we've been trained. Be a man for the men, you know, suck it up. Pick being a wimp. Other words come to my mind as growing up, but can't say them in church. But, you know, be a man. Come on. You got it. Self-sufficiency. You got it. You can do it. Where's God in that? I'm good. We're good. Lots of money coming in. Kids doing great. What happens when he goes like this with the rug? How you doing? <laughs> You doing okay? Help! I'm in the hospital, got cancer. You know, his ways of kind of waking us up. Goes right back to the wake-up call. Waking us up, making us realize what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. You can do nothing without me. Nothing. If you and I do anything good at all, it's only by the grace of God. The fact that you can smile at someone when you don't feel like smiling is by the grace of God. You know the best you and I can do? Let's just, let's just imagine Jesus never came and did what he did on the cross. Grace would not be available for us. We would be in a living hell on earth. You see how much we take for granted? 
The fact that you're here tonight is by the grace of God. Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. He chose you to be here tonight because he has a message for you. And he wants to share his love with you. Self-sufficiency. Big time problem. Self-sufficiency, which is pride. We tend to be self-sufficient. A lot of times in spiritual direction, I'll be talking to somebody and they'll be throwing stuff around. They'll ask me some questions. What do you think I should do, Father? I say, I don't know. What's, what's Jesus say or what's the, your Father say? They look at me like I'm from another planet. I don't, I'm not God. Don't, I'm not doing that. I don't play that game anymore. <laughs> Go to him and ask him. What does he say? Well, you know, Father, I hear this one a lot too. Well, Father, you know, me and my husband, we've been really trying to figure this out. You know what we should do? And I hear that word figure out. It's like ding, 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 red flag. We're trying to figure this out. Where's God? God's up there going, hello, down there, I can help you. I know exactly what you need to do, but you're so stinking self-sufficient. And by the way, he's not up there, is he? Where is he? Right there. He's the incarnate word. He's the word made flesh. He's enfleshed himself in us in our baptisms, our confirmation. And every time we go to Eucharist, he's enfleshing himself. He's incarnate. And he's in there and he's crying out to be heard. Hello, anybody home? And we're all so busy. Busy, 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 busy. You know the acronym busy, right? You've heard that acronym busy? Buried under Satan's yoke. He wants to keep you hopping. Keep them busy. Keep those TVs on and radios and phones. Keep them going. Yeah, we got them. You see? Keep them busy. Look at the story of the Israelites when they were in Egypt. And remember Moses. He was God's deliverer, wasn't he? He prefigured Jesus, who was going to be the deliverer. And what's Moses say to Pharaoh? And Pharaoh is a symbol of Satan. Moses says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And what's Pharaoh say? You lazy bunch of scums, you just don't want to work. And what does Pharaoh do? What does he do to punish them? He says, increase their work. Interesting, isn't it? Increase their work. You know, these little phones we have, they're a blessing, but they're a curse too. You know, the whole idea of all this social media was to help us get more done. We got more to do than we've ever had. Would you agree with that? I'd like to take my phone sometime and just go, you know, get rid of it. We're busy. And so somewhere along the line, you and I have to make a decision. And you're going to have to make some really, really tough decisions in your life. If you want to know this joy, this freedom that comes with being a child, you and I are going to have to make some really hard decisions. You're going to have to change. Jesus says, unless you turn and become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you turn That means repent. Turn away from sin and turn back to me and quit thinking you can do everything yourself and face me, your Father, who loves you. Unless you churn, you cannot enter. Who wants to enter? Did you know you're free to enter? There's actually a song. Father Michael knows that song. Free to enter in. You're free. I had an image one time years ago and I I saw myself in a prison cell and the cell door was open. I was just sitting there and I heard the Lord say to me, you're free. You're free to go. I was like, what are you waiting on? You know what came up in me? I couldn't believe it. I thought I'd run out. I didn't. I was scared to go. And he said, what are you afraid of? I said, I'm afraid to be free. Because this is all I've ever known is rice and beans. 
<laughs> this is all I've ever known. And now you're calling me into a whole new world out there that's kind of scary. But it's the world you made for me. It's a world of freedom. And so I saw Jesus kind of like coaxing me. Come on. Huh? He's like a little kid, wounded. Come on. That's where a lot of people are. Did you know you're free? You're free to the degree that you choose to be free. And that's the hard part. It's, cho it's a choice. And freedom is costly. You and I, if we want this freedom, if we want to, that childhood restored, we have to cooperate with grace. We have to be willing to walk out of that prison cell, that place interiorly that we've stayed in all of our lives. We have to be willing to die. Freedom's costly. Just look at the crucifix. Freedom is costly. But you know, the other alternative is much more costly. It will cost you eternal life. So you, that's an easy one for me. Yeah, it's costly and it's hard, but I'll take it over the other alternative, and that's hell. I'll take it. And he's there to help you and me to come out of that prison cell, whatever it is for you, that place of fear, that place of lies that keep you in bondage. And we're gonna get into this as we go through the mission. We're gonna name those lies. We're gonna name them. And we're gonna renounce them in the name of Jesus. And by you renouncing them, you're gonna experience instantaneous freedom. Who would like to experience that freedom on the spot? Freedom. And your eyes are gonna go poof. The eyes of your soul are gonna wake, they're gonna be open and God's gonna wake you up. And I've done this before with groups where we just renounce the fears, we renounce the lies. And there were healings. And that first time I ever did that, I thought, wow, God, you're really doing something here. Some young lady went back to work the next day and they were asking her, hey, do you have a new boyfriend or something? She goes, no, why? He said, well, we've never seen you that happy. What'd you do? And she said, I just renounced a bunch of garbage last night and something just lifted off of me. Isn't that amazing? It's kind of like what Father Mike was saying, that we've lived with this crap. <laughs> I wanted to say another word. We've lived with this stuff so long that it's, we, be, we begin to believe it's normal to feel. <laughs> Who's exhausted? Anybody tired? Are you tired of being tired? Are you tired a lot? Just wiped out? Now, a lot of that's normal. It's because you're hard workers. But a lot of that, too, I guarantee you, is because you're trying to drive the ship. It's you trying to control everything. And God's saying, hey, I'll take a lot of that off you. Just let it give, give it to me. He's, but he, see, he's a gentleman. He won't take it from you. He, you have to give it to him. This is your marriage. This is your family. These are your kids. This is your wife, your husband. That, that made a huge difference in my life. Took me a couple assignments to figure that one out, but this is not my parish. It really isn't. You know, it's not yours either. <laughs> well, Father, we've put a lot of money in this parish. Thank you. I appreciate it, but it's still, it's his. We're just stewards. We're man we are in management. People ask you what you do for a living, tell them you're in management. We're stewards. We're, this is his house. And, and so you hear, see what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he wants us to take ownership of it, but I always remind myself, this is his house, his church, his body, his life, not mine. St. Paul says that it's no longer I that lives, but Christ in me. So waking up and coming into truth and coming into freedom. This is what the Father wants to do this Advent season. And he wants to do this the rest of your life. Not just during Advent. I remember a story, uh, a, I think it was a Jesuit priest was sharing with us. And it was about a little girl um, at home with her mom. Her mom brought home their newly born baby and uh, brought the baby into the room, put the baby in the baby bed. And the baby's older sister, probably three or four years old, just high enough to look over the bed, was there. 
and the mama changed the diapers and then she went into the kitchen to do something. She left the door ajar a little bit so that she can listen and make sure that her little daughter wasn't going to try to pick the baby up or anything. So she comes back towards the room and she's hearing this little girl talking to her little brother. And this is what she says to her little brother. This makes my hair stand up. She says, tell me what God's like. I'm beginning to forget. That's a little girl. Tell me what God's like. I'm beginning to forget. So what's that tell you? There's that little child, right? She's already beginning at that young age. She's already starting to drift into the spirit of the world. She's starting to forget. And she's asking the one that just came from God, <laughs> right? Hey, what's he like? I'm starting to forget. See, that's what happens. We forget. We forget. Because we get so wrapped up in life, so busy. And we don't take time for prayer and silence and reflection. And see, that's the purpose of prayer and silence and reflection is to get me reconnected to God. To get me reconnected to myself. And that's the thing I see. I know Father Francis can vouch for this. Father Michael can do is the spiritual director. And those of you who give spiritual direction, that's the thing I see with a lot of people. Most people, there's a disconnect. When we used to give private retreats, I hear this all the time from men coming on retreat. That didn't matter if they were laymen, priests, religious, they all, I heard this a lot. They'd say, Father, I feel disconnected. I want to get closer to Jesus. I just feel disconnected. Anybody feel disconnected? Who would like to be reconnected? All y'all are connected? What are you doing here? Go on. <laughs> we all go through those periods, though. Maybe some of you, you have great prayer lives. But who would like to have a better prayer life? Hopefully every hand goes up because you have not arrived. Once you think you've arrived, you've bought into the lie. Yeah, we all want to have a stronger, deeper prayer life. We'd like to know Jesus, know the Father, the Holy Spirit, know Mary more. And it comes by way of reconnecting with ourselves. St. Augustine realized that through his own conversion experience. He says to Two things most important he came to realize was to know thyself and to know God. To know myself and to know God. So the more you and I learn to listen, to take time and listen, be attentive throughout your day, not just in your prayer time, but even throughout the day, be attentive to what's stirring in your heart. You know those days you have where you just feel sad? And you don't know why you feel sad. Now, there's sometimes we feel sad and we know why because maybe we're grieving somebody, but there's days where you're just driving along in the car and you're going, man, I feel really sad. You ever had that? How many of you have taken that into your prayer, though, and talked to the Lord about that? Lord, I feel sad. And then share with him what you want. Share the desire of your heart. What do you want? Lord, I want to know that joy again. I don't know what this is all about. Or maybe I'm just feeling really irritable and angry. I'd like to rip everybody's head off. You ever had those days? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just a lot of anger today, Lord. It's like Moses. I love Moses. Moses is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Moses is real. You ever read the stories in Exodus? I love Moses. He's just real. He's real. That's what God wants you to know. You can be real with him. He says to God, just take my life. Just take me out of here. You ever feel that way? Just get me the heck out of here. <laughs> and you know what he was complaining about? He said, these people, these people don't listen. <laughs> Parents, can you relate to that? These kids, they don't listen. They're so wrapped up in their... <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> they don't listen. They're rebellious. They don't do what I tell them to do. But have mercy on them, Lord. You always pray for mercy. That's what I love about Moses. Just be real with God. Lord, I'm about to kill these kids. You better help me real quick. And my husband, he, he's going to go with them. <laughs> So hurry before we call 911. Now, save me, help. So there's a disconnect. 
Remember Martha and Mary? Poor Martha, she gets picked on a lot. Martha, Martha, Martha. I could just picture Jesus. Martha, Martha, Martha. You are so anxious and worried about many things. But Mary, your sister, sitting over here at my feet, she's chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. Satan wants to take that away from you, your time sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because it helps you connect with God, who is love, and with yourself. And see, once we get connected, whoa, there's the power. It's like plugging something in. Once we get reconnected, we're connected to that power source. Satan shakes in his boots. And he'll get you to do anything he can to get you out of that relationship. That's, that's a, we, we have to take time to reconnect and to listen. The other last week with the grade school kids, any grade school kids here at St. Gerald? No? Okay, there's one. Anyway, we're going, going around the classrooms, Father Michael and I just trying to, we're, we're kind of experimenting with some new things. They don't know this, but they're kind of guinea pigs. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we're just uh, asking them to name some feelings, you know, helping them name some feelings. And I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I said, hey, kids, name some feelings that you have every day. At first, I thought they're going to, man, they just opened up. They, their eyes were like this. They dropped their pens, and they were like engaged. I thought, hey, this is going to work. Name some stuff that you feel scared. Uh, unwanted, you know, left out with friends and stuff. Um, and it's everything that we feel. It's the same stuff. I don't feel heard. I don't feel like my parents understand me. I just feel like my parents just talk at me. See, we all want to be heard, don't we? There's a little kid in you that wants to be heard. There's a cry in your heart that wants to be heard and be received, not judged, but just heard. There's a part of us that wants to know you're valued, that you're accepted, that you're loved just as you are. But God loves you too much to leave you there. I heard that from an evangelist one day. He said, a lot of people say, well, God accepts me as I am. See, a lot of people think, I can do what I want to do. No, 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 no. It's not what that means. He accepts you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there because he wants what's best for you. He wants you to have everything. And so as we went around the rooms and just named those feelings, and one of the things Father Michael did with them uh, the night before was using the analogy of their best friend. What's that like to be with your best friend? And I liked it. Some of the responses were pretty cool. They said, I feel like I can be myself. Interesting, isn't it? I feel like I can be myself. Isn't that a shame they don't feel that way at home? See, that's freedom when you know you can be yourself. I feel like I can be myself. And so what Father Michael was trying to relate to them was now take that same feeling and just translate that over into your relationship with Jesus, with the Father. You can be yourself with him. You can joke around. If you're angry, you can show anger. If you're scared, you can express that to him. And that's where people experience healing. Once they know that they're free, you're free. Did y'all know that tonight? You're free. Now, when you go home tonight, that will be up to you if you choose to be free. Or you can stay in the old way and just pin it up. And I told those kids, you know those shootings in the high school, those kids that did those shootings in all those high schools? You know what that's from? A lot of pinned up emotion, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. And so what we're trying to do is get the kids to do five minutes a day. That's all I'm asking, five minutes. Now for you, you're big kids, so I'm gonna ask for 10 minutes. Can you give 10 minutes a day? 10 minutes a day of just being quiet and listen. And what's going to happen, I told the kids, what's going to happen is five minutes might seem like eternity, but as you start connecting with God and you start experiencing his love for you, you're going to like it so much, you're going to want to do 10 minutes. 10 minutes won't be nice enough, you'll want to do 20. 
See how sneaky this is? <laughs> and I said, eventually you're going to be little prayer warriors. You're going to be doing holy hours every day because you're going to like it so much. You're going to want to jump out of bed and go, I want, to, I want to go to church. Not because you have to go. You want to go because now you know him. And you know how real he is. And you know he's pouring out his body and blood on this altar and he, because he loves you. But if you could just do five minutes, I told them, and they agreed to that, and we'll see what happens. But So can you do 10 minutes a day? Who can do 10 minutes a day this Advent? Who can do more? Who can do 10 minutes at all? Some people have got their arms broke or something, I don't know. Who can do 10 minutes a day? Raise your hand. Some of them are going like this. I don't know what that means. Maybe. I'll try. <laughs> 10 minutes. But you have to set a time to do it. If you don't set a time to do it, I'm telling you from experience, you won't do it. My director in seminary used to tell me, when you get ordained and you get out of here and you go into a parish, take your planner, you know, that's what we had then, planner, and just put Jesus in there and X out an hour. Treat him like he's your most important appointment. And that really felt weird doing that, but it worked. He said, now, with all your other appointments, do you just not show up? I go, no, I wouldn't do that. You'd call him, wouldn't you? I said, yeah, but how many times do you do that to him? You just don't show up. Ouch. Sorry. So start putting him in your planner. That's your most important appointment today. And exit out. And guard it with your life. Now, you may have to experiment a little bit and see what times work. Most people, if they don't do it in the morning, early hours, it's probably not going to happen because they're too busy. They get home at the end of the day. They're exhausted. So you're going to have to try it in the mornings. Make confession a regular part of your life. Not just for Advent, not just for Lent, but I know people that go every week. I don't know about you, but I sin pretty much every day. That will be the Lenten talks. We're going to talk about sin, what that looks like. Because a lot of people, I think we've lost, we don't, a lot of people, I don't know if we know what sin is anymore. Keep a prayer journal. Write out what you're feeling. Write out what you're feeling. What you're thinking, three things. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? Ooh, that can be a little ugly sometimes. And what am I, what is it, what do you need from God? What do you need God to do for you? And just tell him, he already knows, so you're not going to shock him. It's so freeing just to tell him what you think, what you feel, what you want, what you need. Maybe tell him what you're afraid of. We have a lot of fears. How many of y'all felt uncomfortable with your hands up singing earlier? A lot of people had their hands raised. I was surprised. You know, when we first, you, you felt a little uncomfortable. First time I ever did that in the renewal, and this was with young adults my age, even though they were all doing that, there was a part of me that was just screaming bloody murdy. God, I feel like an idiot, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> but see, if we want to be free, you got to be willing to be, take a risk. You got to be willing to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to look like an idiot and feel like one. But to know that you're not an idiot and you're not a fool in the eyes of God. He's proud of you. And actually, the most attractive thing to God is when we choose to be little. We choose to be vulnerable. We choose to be spontaneous. Like, that's what's most attractive to him because that requires humility. It requires humility to do that. Because I used to think it was a thing of pride because that was the voices I heard in my head. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Who was that talking and I just shut that out. Just, I still do. I still hear that stuff. Who do you think you are? His son. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I do that too much. They're going to lock me up. <laughs> so just tell that voice who you are. I'm a beloved son. I'm a beloved daughter. Now shut up and get out of here. I'm going to keep my hands up. Whatever. Okay. So, y'all didn't get the memo, did you, to bring your journals? Some of you did. Anyway, uh, what I was going to have you do is write down what you want. What is, it, what is it you're looking for? Why did you come tonight? Just take a minute. 
or two. Why did you come tonight? Let's just, it's easy to talk about this, but let's do it. Why are you here tonight? If you don't have a journal, just close your eyes and maybe imagine the Lord before you ask you, what, what, what brought you here tonight? What are you looking for? Maybe also, what are you afraid of? As, we're, as you were listening to the talk tonight, maybe there's certain areas that stirred in your heart. What frightens you about this new life of being a child, being free? John's gospel, you know, Jesus turns to the disciples of John the Baptist and he says, I love that scripture. He says, what are you looking for? Now, Jesus is God. He knows exactly what they're looking for. But you see what he does? This is what I love about our Lord. He draws, he wants to draw it out of you. Of course, he knows all this. Like a lot of people say to me, well, I don't share a lot of that stuff with God because he already knows. That's true. He knows everything. But there's something about he wants to draw it out of you because once you can say what you need to say, it becomes incarnate in you. So maybe just close your eyes for a minute and just imagine you being those followers of Jesus. And you, this is the first time you've encountered him. You've seen him, you've heard about him, and they've heard about him. They saw, they've heard the miracles he was doing and they are drawn to him. They may not even know why they're drawn to him, but they just know there's something about Jesus. Now you have to understand, they don't know who he is. They don't know he's God. They just know he's a very holy man and there's something in him which is God, that they're drawn to. So imagine following him and imagine him turning and facing you and looking you right in the eyes and saying, what, are you look what is it you're looking for? And if you want, just put your hands right into his hands. Maybe imagine him extending his hands out to you and just walk right up to him and put your hands in his hands and just feel the warmth of his hands and look right into his eyes because you're going to see his love for you. The eyes are the window of the soul. Look right into his eyes and all you're going to see is beauty. You're going to see tremendous beauty and love for you. He loves you so much. And just tell him what you want. Tell him what, tell him what you need. And just stay right there in his gaze.
Father, we thank you for this night, and we thank you for coming to seek us out and to save what has been lost over the years through a life of sinful choices, particularly the loss of that childlike freedom, that childlike disposition you're calling us to live out of now. Thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for being our daddy, our Abba. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for giving us the okay to be who we are, to be little, to be helpless, to be powerless, to be totally dependent on you, Daddy, for everything. Teach us how to be little again because we've forgotten. Wake us up, Father. Awaken us to who we are in you and who you are in us. We want to come home now, Lord. We're homesick. We want to come home into your arms. And some here tonight maybe never really knew the love of a father because their fathers maybe never knew that either. And we ask, Lord, that tonight, even in their sleep, that they might have sweet dreams of your love for them. Lord, we ask that you remove any images false images we're carrying in our hearts of you as a father. Lord, touch the memories, those childhood memories, especially where we felt unheard, we felt overlooked by our father or by our mother. Give us the courage to be little. Give us the desire to embrace ourselves, to embrace our own humanity. Give us the grace, Lord, to look upon ourselves as you do with great love and acceptance. Forgive us, Father, for we know not what we do. Forgive us for all the ways we have rejected ourselves or our true identity as, as little children. Forgive us, Father, for all the ways we've been too hard on ourselves and on others. Have mercy on us, Father. Let us know, Lord, we're heard. Let us know, Lord, that we're not overlooked. Let us know, Lord, that we have nothing to prove, nothing to prove to you, that we are loved for who we are and not for what we do. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We give our fiat with you, Mother Mary. We give our yes to you. Be it done according to thy word, Father. The word that you've spoken to us tonight, we come in agreement to that word. We claim it as our own. We give our fiat. We give our yes to the truth. Be it done to me, to us, according to thy word. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring forth the birth of Jesus within our own hearts. Bring forth the God-man, the God-child within us, Lord. Raise up your church, Lord, to what you always intended it to be from the beginning. Little children, come, Holy Spirit, come through the 
powerful intercession of your spouse, the Blessed Virgin Mary, our mother. Come, Holy Spirit, come with your anointing tonight and bring healing where we need healing. Set us free. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen.